I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries. I'm here with uh, Rocky Fleming, our founder. Hey, Rocky. Hey, bud. And uh, we're doing something a little different today rather than our normal interview format. Uh, We felt like we wanted to play a recording of a talk that you and I both heard a few weeks back. And uh, we do a, a weekly gathering here in Northwest Arkansas called The Anchor, and they do it in Tulsa as well. And it's a a gathering where we have praise and worship, and then we have a different guy tell their story. And we heard a story of a a young man who lives in this area named uh, Jason Maxwell. And it really impressed, uh, made an impression on both of us, uh, Rocky. And so uh, the the interesting thing is Jason is a a man who lived a a gay lifestyle for at least 15 years. Mm -hmm. And and you'll you'll hear in the story. And he tells his story, and, and it wasn't... Uh, the conviction of somebody coming alongside him and condemning him. It wasn't uh, anything like that. It wasn't a program. It was the Holy Spirit yeah. who showed him there was a different life for him yeah. and, and helped him with his identity. Just before we play it, Rocky, any, any thoughts about what you heard him share? Well, I probably could make some comments after uh, our audience hears it, uh, but it impressed me so much because it was just raw honesty. And I think, honestly, uh, I'd have to say that it helped me have a, a good point of view that I didn't have. It helped me with my personal point of view, uh, which I think is going to help me in ministering to a broader segment of men and knowing how to minister to them, knowing how to understand their needs, knowing how to understand the temptations, uh, the culture, uh, what they have to do to uh, adapt or to come out of it. And so after uh, our audience hears it, I think that they'll draw their own opinions. But uh, it blessed me, and I'm glad we're, we're, we're sharing this message. Yeah. Okay, well, with, uh, with that, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, listen to Jason Maxwell, uh, who spoke at the Anchor. ...be here and to uh, share this time with you guys on Tuesdays, and uh, just the honor that uh, you've given me the opportunity to share my testimony which is God's testimony. Um, you know, sharing your testimony um, is one of the greatest opportunities we have to be a witness for Christ. Um, there's also a lot of fear that can be instilled in us when we share our testimonies, depending on what our testimonies are. Um, one thing that I believe is that transparency is of utmost importance in all things, in all areas of our life. And the more transparent we are, the more ability that we have to walk in freedom and not allow the enemy to come and to wrap us up in bondage and uh, hold us down because there's nothing we're afraid of. There's the boldness that comes with Jesus abiding on the inside of us that allows us to just go forth and do his will, speak his will, and walk out a life honoring to him. And that's what I hope to do in sharing my testimony. Um, so as a, as a child, we grew, well, I grew up in the Church of Christ um, up until I was about seven. 
um, at which time there was a church split and a division um, within the church uh, because the uh, church wasn't allowing uh, black people to become members. And that was something that as leaders, my family and my parents stood up against because they knew that that wasn't right. And so all of a sudden we stopped going to church. So it became about our personal relationship with God. The problem with that is I really didn't have a personal relationship with God. My parents did. We talked about God. Um, I knew who Jesus was. I believed in Jesus. I believed that he was my Lord and Savior. But that was the end of it. That was all I really knew. Um, by the time I was um, from 8 to 10, um, I had been sexually abused. The enemy was able to come in um, and begin to distort what I felt or what love looked like. He was able to come in and begin to twist and manipulate in my mind what love looked like. Um, and so for some people, being sexually abused becomes a very traumatic event and shuts them down in many ways. For me, it was the way I learned to receive love. So instead of it being this traumatic event, it was actually something that almost drew me in to the devil's plans instead of to God's plans. By age um, 18, I fully was convinced that I was gay and had no, no, uh, that's just who God created me to be. That's what I believed. Um, I had felt that way since I was very young, obviously. <laughs> um, and so it was difficult for me to get past that. I also could not reconcile that with what I knew my family believed about homosexuality with what um, the Bible had to say about it. Um, only I didn't really know what the Bible had to say about it. I just knew what my parents said the Bible had to say about it. And so there's this mind knowledge that doesn't become heart knowledge that allows you to continue to walk um, in areas that you shouldn't be walking in, that God didn't intend for us to walk in, whether it's homosexuality or adultery, fornication, idolatry, all of those things are all wrapped up in a thing called sin. And so as we, um, at 19, I was in college, um, away from my family, the ability to explore who I was, who I felt I was, um, and finally got to a point of suicide because I couldn't make the reconciliation. And for me, it was about if my family couldn't accept it, then I either had to get to a point that I could accept not having my family or live my life as I felt God created me to be. And so at the point of suicide, God intervened in my life for the very first time. And what I left from that experience was if I killed myself then, the devil won then. Because the devil would have succeeded in taking me out. In which I couldn't have walked out God's purpose for my life. I couldn't have lived 
And so that gave me this great freedom and this new boldness because I knew it was from God. But you know, when God gives you something, the enemy immediately swoops in, twists what he's given you to take control back. And so what I left with was this, that God loved me, I must be a special circumstance. It didn't matter how much, you know, it was permission. What I left with from my experience was permission to enter the gay lifestyle. And that God loved me no matter what. And so for the next 15 years, I lived as a gay man in Dallas, Texas. Um, my hope was always to find a partner that I could live with and have a life with, um, that I would grow old with, whom I would love, honor, and respect, just like my parents love, honor, and respect each other. My hope wasn't to go be a sinful deviant for my entire life. Um, my partner Keith and I were together for 11 years of those 15 years. We had built uh, a pretty amazing life together. Um, I say that to this. In 2010, I was had everything I wanted. I was living in a 3,300-square-foot house, drove an $80,000 car. Life was good. I was filming two episodes of a, a reality show on home staging and design. My career was at its height, and I wasn't looking for anything. I was happy. I was successful. And by all worldly standards, I was to be envied. My niece was graduating from high school in May of 2010. So my partner and I drove to Northwest Arkansas. Um, we, my partner and I, going back real quick, had attended church off and on, uh, well, most of the time we were together. So the concept that gay people don't believe in God is a fallacy. Even by the Human Rights Campaign's own studies and standards, over 67% of the people in their membership actively attend church. But we don't know about it. Why? Because they have to attend church and hide it. But it's kind of high, hard to hide when you're gay, right? It's this open sin that everybody can see. Whereas I can sit next to somebody in church who is a fornicator, and I don't necessarily know that. I can sit next to somebody who is struggling with alcoholism, drug addiction, and I don't necessarily know that. But if I'm sitting next to two gay men, I pretty much know that. Which is why it's so easy to judge the sin. And why the church does so much damage in the way they handle it. Which in reality, it's a lot of what's pushed the huge pushback within that community and made them so defiant and so ugly and so prideful because they had to become prideful to not be constantly shamed. Is it right? No. But is it right for us as Christians to be so prideful, to judge their sin when we know we're sitting in our own? We openly welcome everyone into our churches. And so it's important that we continue to, to challenge that and look at it. 
Um, so in 2010, I came. Uh, my partner and I, my entire family was here. We went to graduation, and we went to a church in Centerton, um, which is where my brother had been going for Sunday service. No big deal. Been to church a lot. And so we're there. Um, service, but we were. it was during worship. Uh, no one had even started talking. And for the first time since I was 19 years old, I encountered God. The Holy Spirit fell on me in a way I'd never experienced before in my life. And he poured out his love, his love for me, for Jason Maxwell. Not that he died 2,000 years ago for everyone else sitting in that room, but that he died for me. And all of a sudden, all that mind knowledge I had became heart knowledge. And the truth was revealed to me. And what I left that experience with was he loved me more than anyone else ever could. That he had a plan and purpose for me. And it wasn't in the lifestyle I was in. I spent the next week turmoiling over what that experience left me with. Which was that if I didn't change now, my eternal life was in jeopardy. I didn't know exactly what that meant, but I knew the seriousness of what he was saying to me. And I stand here today, I still won't argue whether that means that gay people are or are not going to heaven or not. It's not a conversation that I have because it's not a conversation that matters. The reality was at that point, he spoke to me and said, my eternal life was in jeopardy. And whether that meant my destination in heaven was in jeopardy or the way I would spend my eternal life. Because in a lot of studying, I've realized salvation is a free gift to anyone who believes. So that no man may boast. It's not based on works. It's not based on how good we are or how sin-free we are or aren't at the time when we believe. However, we store up our treasures in heavenly places. And every when we get to heaven, all of us will be judged based on our works and based on what we have done and whether we we can do all sorts of amazing things for God and work for God, but do it with impure motives, and we will watch all those rewards and treasures burn up before us. That is why we want to be righteous. That is why we want to live holy lives. That is why we want to move into the kingdom of God with power and purpose. And so when we go, um, when I left from, from that, I spent the next week going, God, what do you want from me? It was this constant buffeting. He would not let go. He wouldn't let go of what he, the message he had delivered. Um, and the following weekend, we went to Austin we, uh, to go to uh, one of Keith's graduations uh, for one of his cousins. And his family was there, and I just couldn't let go. And so finally I told him, he had walked through the room, and he goes, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. And I just told him, I said, I need to go home. Why don't you stay here, and you can have your aunt drive you back to Dallas on their way through to Chicago and drop you back off. And he's like, well, do you want me to go with you? I was like, no, it's fine. I, I just have a bunch of stuff I need to deal with. And he's like, okay. And so 
I left, and that was one of the longest drives, three-hour drives from Austin to Dallas. Because how do you do what God's asked you to do? How do you give up your entire life to follow him? How do you walk away from the business? And we're not talking a small business. I own the largest home staging and design company in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. I had 15 full-time designers that worked for me. Um, how do you just walk in and shut that down? How do you walk away from all of your relationships, all of your friendships, everything that you built to move to a place called Centerton, Arkansas, so that you can figure out who you are. Who am I? If I'm not who I have always believed I am, and what the world has told me I am, and if my entire identity is wrong, then who am I? It's really hard to take that step of faith, to step out of your entire identity, to follow Jesus. But that's what he called us to do. He called us, lay down your nets and follow me. <coughs> lay down your nets and follow me and I will teach you to be a fisher of men. Well, I didn't want to be a fisher of men. I just wanted one man and his name was Keith. I just wanted to live my life and stay in my happy existence that I had built for myself. But that wasn't what he wanted. And I knew that there was something more important than what I wanted. And that was him. Because he had revealed his true love for me. Which overwhelmed everything else I'd ever experienced in my entire life. And it wasn't because of something someone said. It was because of the Holy Spirit descending upon me and filling me and showing me. And so as I moved forward from there, within three weeks, Keith got home on Monday. Um, I sat down with him. I told him what had happened the previous week. I told him I had to leave. It was the hardest thing I'd ever said. Imagine for a second, those of you who've been married 10, 15 years, who are in a good relationship. That God came to you and said, okay, your wife is mine. Your life is mine, and I need you to walk away. That's how I felt. Granted, God's not going to ask you to do that because you're in a Christ-honoring relationship, and I wasn't. And that is what the impact of my choices left me with. The impact of the choices that I had made left me with the realization that what I thought and had always given God the glory for blessing my life, for blessing the things that I had put my hand to, for blessing the business that I had built, I gave him the glory. The devil doesn't mind if we give God the glory if we're doing the devil's work. So the day that Keith asked me, how is it that our loving God could do something to us that's so painful? hard question to answer, and one I certainly wasn't prepared to answer at that point. <coughs> but I have since answered it. When we build our things on something that isn't the solid ground of Christ, 
then it's all at risk. And when a great shaping comes, it will crumble and it will all fall. Why, people ask me all the time, well, why did you have to give up your business? Because I had to move to Centerton, Arkansas. <laughs> the second truth to that was who hires a straight designer? It was something that I really believed. You know, I didn't believe anyone would hire me based on my skills. It was based on my identity. And then the devil came in and started saying, well, this is where you've been. So you can never get where God wants you. Because no one's ever going to listen. Because you weren't holy enough. You weren't righteous enough. You made all of these bad decisions and bad choices because everyone in the church is perfect. Everyone in the church puts on their Sunday smile and we all go to service and we're like, oh, how's life? Oh, it's awesome. Thanks for asking. See you next week. And then they put it down. They don't call to follow up and see how you're doing. They don't ask what's really going on in your life. That's what the journey is about. That's what makes this such a special group. It's because we actually care about each other. We actually care about what's going on in each other's lives. When I was asked to um, join a journey group, I was like, oh, all right, I have to, because I was asked by my pastor. So here was one of the, the weird things is, I was put in charge of the men's ministry. Do you know how weird that is? I'm like, what do I know about a men's ministry or men for that matter? I don't fit in with the jocks. I don't know anything about sports. You know, I have no idea. I was like, God is funny. God is really funny. But what he showed me through the experience is that all of us men have issues. Every one of us has daddy issues, mommy issues, wife issues, partner issues, life issues. None of us are perfect. We strive to seek out God's will in our lives. And as we seek out God's will, he and his power that dwells within us by abiding in him is what transforms our life. Within three weeks of the first time I stepped foot in the Centerton, Arkansas church, I had closed down my business, resigned from all of my positions um, within the National Association of Realtors, the National Association of Home Staging Professionals, um, the Texas Association of Realtors, I had resigned all of my leadership and board positions, and every time I resigned, I said, why? Because this is what God spoke to me, and this is what I'm going after. Because it was about burning bridges that I couldn't cross back over. It wasn't about anything mean or hateful, but I knew if it was going to work and I was really going to follow, that those bridges had to be gone. That I couldn't run back to where I came from. That's why I had to shut my business. That's why I had to move to Centerton versus following God in Dallas. I needed a new start, a new identity, 
And it wasn't about shame. It was about following his will for my life. So when I got to um, Centerton, um, I had moved out of my 3,300 square foot home into a 700 square foot apartment with my dog. Um, and I was surrounded by a bunch of people I didn't know. The only person I knew in Northwest Arkansas was my brother and his family, whom I hadn't really had an awesome relationship with. It wasn't a bad relationship, but it wasn't awesome. And uh, I was standing there in church service. This is where I'll lose a lot of you. But I share my testimony boldly anyway. Because God is a mighty God and he's a supernatural God. Regardless of all of our doctrines and theologies, we are the same brotherhood. We serve the same God. And what he will do for one, he will do for many. And so, as I stood before um, in the church service, God said, raise your hands. Raise your hands and worship me. I'm not going to raise my hands. Who does that? That's crazy people do that. Those are the people Keith and I sit back and make fun of in church. You know, those seven people that always hover together right there. Not going to do it. Raise your hands and surrender. I sat there for five minutes arguing in my mind with God over this raising of hands thing. When I opened my eyes and realized everyone except me has their hands raised. I am a leader, not a follower. I am not raising my hands just because everyone else is. I finally get my hands halfway up. That whole half mass thing. And so I'm there and I'm standing there. I'm like, fine, God. I don't know what you want of me. I've already given up everything to follow you. So whatever you ask, I'll do. Whatever you speak, I'll say. Please just help me find the courage and the ability. I stepped out in faith that you said my identity was wrong. I stepped out not knowing what you have for me or the plans or the purpose. I did my part. Now it's your turn. And I boldly pray, if you say that I'm not gay, then you take away every image, every thought, and everything that has made me think that. And you transform my mind. And you turn me straight. If that's what you have for me and that's who you say I'm supposed to be, then it's your responsibility to make me that way. I did my part, now you do yours. And about that time, my hands began to shake. And I literally felt waves of heat moving back and forth between my two hands. And four minutes later, I walked away from that altar, never questioning whether I was gay or straight. I knew my identity. I knew who I was in Christ. And I knew the power and the authority that he had and the ability to work through. 
What I didn't know is how any of it was possible. How what I had just experienced, I mean, was that from God or was that from the devil? What was that? Because I've never heard of it. I have no idea what just happened. What I do know is that it changed the way I looked at myself. Does that mean that I have never had a thought about a good-looking guy? No, it doesn't. That's like saying the day you got married, you never looked at another woman. Don't put your expectations of what you think walking out of a homosexual lifestyle looks like onto somebody walking out of that lifestyle. So we, you know, there's all these unrealistic expectations that are set that the enemy uses to get people sucked back into the lifestyle. You know, and so we have to be careful to remember sin is sin. And as a very wise pastor told me years ago on a bus in Guatemala, behind every sin is great pain. It doesn't matter what the sin is. So we have to get to the source of the great pain and find out what really is the cause. And God's the only one who can really show us. We can be there and we can stand beside each other and we can take people through the journey and all of these things, but the Holy Spirit is who's going to reveal those things. The Holy Spirit is who's going to make the changes. And he can do it over the course of 15 years or he can do it over the course of three minutes. And most of that comes to our willingness to lay down our lives and truly listen to what he's speaking. If we will truly listen to what he has to say to us, he can transform things in seconds that take other people decades. He will restore the years. He will do things with our lives that we never thought were possible. But we have to be willing to lay it all down and let him show us the way. Not rely on what our brothers with good intentions tell us is the right thing to do, but really seek that abiding relationship with Christ so he can tell us what to do. Because it's then that we are producing fruit that lasts. Fruit that lasts is what matters. We can work our tails off doing good things and never produce fruit that lasts. We can get so wrapped up in ministry that we forget our kids. We forget our families. We forget the thing that's important. Whether it's ministry work or it's working for Walmart or working as a realtor as I do, we can get so wrapped up that we forget what matters. We can't forget our first love. And our first love is Jesus. After our first love, we are called to love our families. Our first ministry is our family. If we fail our family, we are worse than an unbeliever. That's what scripture says. That's a hard truth for a lot of people. Because a lot of people fail their families. They fail to put the time and the energy into it. You know, I don't say this to boast. I say this because this is how much I believe it. Can you show my picture? Christ gave me an inheritance that I had given up years and years ago without his kids. My inheritance 
is those three girls. Nothing will take them away from me. And so if that means that we live in a trailer house or on the street, I will make sure that I am serving my family first. I'm not going to get wrapped up in all the works of the church. I will do everything that God asks me to do within the church. But I won't get so tied down and bogged down by the work of the church that I forget who it's all for. This is my blessing, my inheritance, and my truth. God gave them to me when the world says that I don't exist. People like me do not exist. The church even actively believes people like me do not exist. Did you know there are tens of thousands of us? But why don't you hear from tens of thousands of us? I literally have over a thousand people that have are actively living normal, straight lives with wives and husbands after coming out of homosexuality that are friends of mine. But why don't we hear? Because most would prefer to go under the radar, not be bold, not share their testimony. Because when you share your testimony, there's always this sense of shame. And a lot of times it's not put on by us, but it's put on by those we share it with. Because we don't exist. But we do exist. Christ said we existed. He said just like he will deliver fornicators, adulterers, homosexuals, idolaters, those that covet, he will deliver them. Such were some of you. But now we were made new creations in Christ. All old things passed away and all things become new. Do we believe the word or not? Because if we're going to stand on one part of the word, we have to stand on the entire word. Which means we're going to constantly get pruned. If God had shown me everything that he was going to prune out of my life besides being gay, I wouldn't have left Dallas. I had no idea how many issues I had within me and how many things that are I was doing that are unscriptural until I began seeking. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, what do you mean I can't drink? <clears throat> and then it's like, well, can I not drink or can I drink? What defines a drunkard? Where where is this fall? You know, having a drink is fine. I really believe that. Having a drink is fine. Being a drunk is not. But where is that line divided? So I asked a pastor one day, where is that line divided? Well, I guess it's divided. Sorry, I shouldn't use that phrase. <laughs> but I'm going to. Well, I guess it's divided. Whatever the law says the legal limit is. Really? This is where I lost my honor and respect for someone I should have maintained honor and respect for. Because my response in boldness was, that is the stupidest thing I have ever heard in my life. Because... 
the day that what you're saying is the day that the law says that it's okay for me to marry a male is the day that homosexuality is okay. Guess what? That day happened, folks. Three years after that conversation with that pastor. And it destroyed my world. Because for the first time, it took my hope away. It took my hope of reaching people. God has given me a promise of what I'm going to see when I walk through heaven and the fruit that lasts and will be bared by the boldness of me sharing my testimony. And I'm holding on to that promise, and it's big, and I have no idea how it's possible. Because it's not possible within me, but it's possible with him. And I'm holding on to that promise, but that day, that day that promise was taken. The enemy swooped in and go, ha! Now not only do you have to share, now you don't just get, they don't get to get to walk away. Now they're entrapped in all the legal system of getting a divorce and going through the whole process and all of the other things that come with that. There was a lot of ground lost that day. The greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. His promises always hold true. He is faithful to deliver even when we don't see the way or the delivery to happen. Anyway, um, I can go on forever and ever and ever, so thank you guys so much for allowing me to share. And uh, I'd just like to pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I just thank you for your great love for each and every one of us. No matter what we're going through in life, no matter what situations we have, no matter what root cause the enemy has used, we just thank you for the strength and the boldness that you have given us. We thank you for your full armor of God that you have uh, asked us to put on every single day. We thank you for that shield of faith that I was able to read a discipleship plan that actually made sense. I thank you that you are changing the lives of men all over the world, Father God. For you have placed us in powers and positions over our families and over our households. And it is our responsibility to stand up for those, Father God, to lead them and lead them well, Father. And I just thank you that you continue to give us the boldness to follow your ways. The kingdom of God's ways versus the kingdom of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wow, Rocky, that uh, was a powerful message. Uh, what, what, do you, uh, what do you make of that? What, what other comments would you say about that, what you just heard? Well, interesting that the way it impressed me, the first thing that I said to Jason was, Jason, uh, you might be one of the most courageous men that I've ever heard share their testimony. And I had to feel that he, he did show courage. Uh, you know, we talk about this all the time, about personal abandonment and absolute trust. And what does it mean to, to abandon our life to Christ? What does it mean that we give up uh, certain things that are very, very dear to us? And Jason had to give up something very dear to him. He had to give up a relationship that was very dear to him to follow Christ. But as, as he said, uh, he released one thing that was a wrong relationship and he was given a right relationship. And by his own words, it's his treasure. Mm. I wish that people could see the picture of his children and his family mm. so that they could see how 
very happy and contented he is to to have the the life that God has given him as a result of obedience, mm. as a result of personal abandonment and absolute trust. The part that really struck me was uh, when he was talking about, um, you know, when you're in a gay man, your sin's out there for everyone to see, but you're sitting next to people who have lots of sins too, but you just don't see them. Yeah. They're on the inside, you know, and uh, we're so quick to condemn uh, the outward sin that we see, you know, yeah. and, and what, you know. So uh, I, I agree with you. It helped me have a more of a sensitivity because uh, we want to help men, any man that we can, you know, and help them find that intimate abiding relationship with Christ because we believe that makes all the difference. Right, and we and. And as in any sin, whether it's uh, homosexuality or whether it's uh, adultery, heterosexual adultery, uh, any any sin that we have that is a, a is a practice of sin, and you name it, you could be stealing, uh, lying, cheating. These are sins. As far as God is concerned, sin is sin. Mm -hmm. There's no measure of sin. There's no greater sin than other sins. Mm -hmm. There's just sin. But the practice of sin, that ongoing um, receiving it into your life and embracing it and, and holding on to it becomes an idol. Mm -hmm. And this becomes a, a hindrance in our relationship with Christ. And so whatever hindrance is standing in the way, this is what we have to d deal with. Mm -hmm. His particular one was that. But I've talked recently, just recently with people who's whose sin was adultery, mm -hmm. cheating on their wives. Um, you know, sin is sin. And it's going, it's going to create a hindrance in their relationship with Christ. And, and to abandon that sin, to abandon that practice, and to come into that holy relationship they can have with Christ will transform them mm -hmm. and help them overcome that which they find hard to resist. That's right. That's right. Well, and, and we wanted all of you out there to know if, if, if there's somebody out there who's, who's struggling in this area with their sexuality, um, we want you to know Jason is a good resource. Uh, he's got a website, uh, flames2fire.com. So it's flames, the number two, fire.com. And his name is Jason Maxwell. He, he has told us that he's helped thousands of men who have come clean with with their struggle and they wanted to be delivered from it and he's helped them with that right. and so uh so if you're out there and uh this really strikes a chord with you i'd encourage you to to contact him if you want to contact us you can always reach us at influencers.org and and we would try to point you in the right direction to, to get some help and of course we'd love to help anyone out there uh go through our process called the journey which will help you learn to have that intimate abiding relationship with christ and and learn what your hindrances are and and learn how to to overcome those so so anyway, thank you for your listening today. It's a little longer than, than normal, but we think it was worth the, the listen. So we, we hope you've enjoyed it. I'm Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries. And I encourage you to keep abiding in Christ and to go make disciples. God bless you today. Mm -hmm.